Welcome everyone to Talk and Tea with Esha. I'm so happy to be here with you again, and I hope you've all had an amazing week since we last met. I don't know about you, but I'm beginning to feel and sense spring in the air, and it's such a lovely feeling, just the increased temperatures that we've had lately, listening to the birds sing, and there's, I'm sensing a level of excitement just in nature herself. And, and as I sense that in nature herself, I'm also sensing it in myself. Um, the prospects of renewal and refreshment and changing seasons, uh, hope, a gazing forward to playful times, opportunity, to bask in the sun, opportunity to be reborn just through the change in seasons. It's amazing how with nature, as nature changes, we also find that we are changing. And so I'm very happy to experience this along with what I'm seeing when I take my walks. So today in our podcast, I wanted to share my wisdom, and you certainly invite you to also bring your wisdom through your own personal experiences as well, about how we awaken or can awaken during suffering. And so we're going to go there today. We're going to talk about the awakening process that sometimes happen um, when we're going through very difficult and challenging times. Um, I know this to be true from my own experiences, and maybe as we get into it, into the thick of it in our discussion today, you can also gaze back at your own experiences and see where this might have some resonance of truth for you. But before we get started, I invite you to just come to a place where you can invite some stillness. I do have my tea. Today I have uh, lemongrass bergamot, which happens to be one of my favorite teas. I love lemongrass. It's one of my favorite scents. So wherever you are, I invite you to have a seat. Feel your feet against the ground. Maybe press your back against the chair. Give yourself permission to allow your bones to settle to feel the weight of your body against a chair. To feel your body breathing, to sense your body breathing, to sense yourself right here, right now, in this moment, this presence, this, this gift. This gift that we've all been blessed with. I am here, you are here. What an amazing gift. And so I invite you to breathe and settle into your gift. You are the gift. Just allow the tension from your bones and your muscles and maybe the day that you're having as you breathe in through your nostrils, maybe take a breath through your mouth. Just allow the tension or 
the thoughts or the worries or whatever it is that you might have been caught up in today to just lessen. We can do that for 30 minutes, right? Where we can just let go for just a little bit and come home to ourselves. And so with each pass and exhalation, you feel yourself giving way to this moment. You feel yourself becoming more relaxed. Shoulders empty out of tension. Jaw loosens from its grip. Maybe a small smile appears on your lips. Brighten not just your face, but brighten your interior landscape. And just be in that, that bright space of your interior landscape. Letting go of to-do list. Letting go of the past, the future. And just daring ourselves to just be right here, right now. And just taste that. Just taste it. The present moment. The gift that you are right now. So I invite you to perhaps deepen your breath if that feels right for you. Deepen in your inhalation. Surrender in your exhalation. And just noticing yourself. Just noticing yourself. your beautiful self. And notice when we change the, our inner landscape, when we brighten the inner landscape, how everything else brightens around us. And so we've changed nothing outside of us, but we've only touched what was inside and changed that. something quite magical about that, how transformation truly happens, that it doesn't happen from the outside, but it happens from the inside. So take another deep in breath. Out breath, exhale. And if you have your tea, I invite you to pick your mug up. Take a moment to feel the warmth radiate into your palms. I always like to smell my tea before I drink. So if that feels right for you, maybe notice what your tea smells like. And when you're ready, have a sip. Mm. It's always that first sip 
of our tea that's the finest, isn't it? And if you're a coffee drinker, right? And you can have coffee during our time together too. I'm not much of a coffee person, but it's always that first sip that is the finest. So let's get straight to it. This idea of awakening during suffering. How many of you have noticed that in some of the deepest, most uncomfortable experiences of your life, and we don't know it in the moment when we are in the throes of it, but we're changed. We're different. We're no longer the same. There is some alchemical process that happens during an ex- during the exchange, right? There's it's almost like an exchange of properties that happen inside of us that changes who we are. And as I've reflected back on my own experiences of challenging, uncomfortable, difficult situations, deep, intense, And whether it's a year or two years or a few months, I realize that something has happened inside of me. I am no longer the same person I was before. A shift has occurred. And while we we resist change. We have a very difficult time with change as human beings. And this always surprises me when, as we look back at our, at our historical archives, all we can see is change. And so it surprises me because change is something that you would think we would be used to by now in 2022. And yet, I find that we resist change even more. And yet, it is all around us. The very constant that we are terrified of. And yet, this change that happens, that many of us don't call to us, but it happens yet anyways, The shift out of our, what we would call our normal, content, happy lives. This disruption, disorder, destruction, yeah. It, it is doing a thing. I don't want to say the word to us, but it is doing a thing for us. I think initially we think, why is this happening to me? We tend to see it as a negative thing because in the moment we're in the throes of it, it's like being in the throes of passion and we lose ourselves. And similarly, when we are in a state of suffering, we lose ourselves. We can't think straight. We can't see straight. We're in a fog. And the fog is thick, 
And I think that is all by design because there's something happening in that foggy state. We are left with the deep, very uncomfortable, percolating feelings and emotions that scare us, that blind us, that deafens our ears. We become fearful in the process. So I want you to just think about that for a moment, your, your own personal experience that you have endured. Just look back for a moment and just notice the time that you were in deep suffering and, and where you are now. Our suffering is almost like being thrown into the wilderness. And I'd like to share a poem with you called The Wild Path. It's uh, something I, I wrote uh, a couple weeks ago. The wild path calls to my heart. Sometimes a soft murmur, other times a loud roar. The walk is done with trembling legs, vulnerably taking steps into the unknown, plodding on regardless. There in the wild, I am met with strangers, friends, wild beasts, and ravenous demons. My breath stumbles on the path, catching a hitch, a surprise gasp at the unexpected encounters I did not intend on meeting. Instantly, a need to recoil enters my blood as it curls often in grief into suspended animation. But the wild song sings to me to come closer. It seduces me into her embrace. I am caught in her briar patch, feeling, feeling, oh, the aliveness of feeling. In that instant, I knew the danger was in the wild, but never knowing the wild. Never feeling, never allowing, never touching, never embracing the wilderness of my own heart. And I wrote that poem as I, I, I reflected back on my own experiences of the wildness of my grief. Oh, it's so wild. The unknown of it, the mystery of it. the desire to be free of it, desire to deny it, the desire to numb from the uncomfortableness of it. And yet I found by giving myself to it, there's a transformation and we don't know it in the process, but something happens. And so whether it's grief that you're suffering or even something else, what I learned through 
my own personal experience is that a huge part of my suffering was because of my ego. And I, and I felt it very viscerally, this, this clinging that I wanted to do. After the loss of my husband, I didn't know who to be. Like my, I was no longer a wife. And so this identity was now stripped from me. And yes, I'll always be a wife and to, to him in a spiritual sense, but in this earthly realm, that was no longer the case. And so I, I, I could sense and feel that my ego wanted to grab hold of something else to identify with. And this is what makes grief so terribly difficult is because when loss occurs, a, a role or something or someone we've identified with is no longer present. And we don't know how to be without that person, that thing, that role, that label. And sometimes we begin to even see grief as the enemy. We see it as something bad. And so we need a, a scapegoat in the grieving process to give meaning to the why. Why me? And so even though I think when the dust settles, we know that grief isn't the enemy at all, rather just a natural response to loss. And in return, we become lost because we don't know who we are anymore without that person or thing we have lost. And for the first half of my grief, that first year, particularly, I suffered immensely. There was so much suffering. And I suffered because I was angry. I was confused. I was fearful. I felt victimized in such a powerful way. And I think this is how it is when you have these sudden losses. I blame God. I never felt more human than when I was in the deep throes of that passionate grief. And the question I kept asking myself again was, why? God, why would you do this to me? Why would you do this to us, my children and I? We're good people, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, yeah, I'm good. Nothing bad should happen to me. Why would you take a good man so early in his life who was only ever good to other people, only ever did what was right? And I was totally unconscious in those moments, right? Because I was I was steeped like this tea bag in, in my mug. I was steeped in fear of the change that had come so suddenly to me. The change that I didn't want. The change that I wanted to deny. And that is a huge part when we are in the initial grieving process is that we, we can't really see. We're just we're a mesh in just the deep, the deep feelings. And that's okay, right? That's part of the process as we're working through things. So there's no judgment. There's no judgment with where we are. We are where we are until we're somewhere else. 
someplace different. And I think it's important that we don't judge the process, especially in those early months, that first year. And I didn't begin to make the shift until I began asking a more skillful question. And that skillful question wasn't why, why me? The more skillful question was why not me? And what made me so special to avoid grief and to avoid suffering? My goodness, my good deeds, my kindness, my love and ways. Being those things didn't give me a hall pass from experiencing suffering. And yet, I do believe that in the background, in that background sort of way in my mind, and maybe you can relate to this too, that we think being good exempts us from suffering. And I think one of the harsh truths and realities that I've come to is that it doesn't. It doesn't. Good things happen. And, I, and I'm going to say this, and I, and I try not to say to, to be in this dualistic way, but the saying is bad things happen to all people. Right? Suffering happens to all people. As long as we're in this human vessel called the body, like any other animal species, there will be moments of suffering. Either our health fails us or we experience loss of some kind. And so, and perhaps rather than abdicate ourselves from our suffering, we can begin to journey and apprentice with our sorrow and our humanity. So the embrace of my full humanity is what I hope will beckon us to the hallways of our life experiences and choose to be curious about what lays beyond each door. Rather than keep our stories locked away, we can open the door, the windows, and allow light and air to meet and refresh the space And I think there's something that is happening in that space that is dark when we're walking in darkness. We're dropping seeds. We don't see it. We don't feel it. But all of life begins, new life begins in darkness. We plant seeds in darkness. And so the idea that awakening happens during suffering, I absolutely believe that based on my own personal experience. And again, I keep inviting you to to see that perhaps for yourself and your own experiences, how have you changed in the experiences that you've had in your life. I find by giving myself permission to feel and to be a part of the full experience, 
even if I took baby steps in the beginning, right, which sometimes that's all we're able to do is just take these, these baby steps in the beginning to just, just touch it lightly, whatever the, the, the ache is for us, that we touch it lightly and we get to feel the contours, the, the contours of it, the edges of it, the sharpness of it. And sometimes we, we pull back because we get pricked and there's a, a little blood that spills out. But then we come back in again and we feel and we caress the ache and we befriend it. And every time we do that, there's an alchemical shift that's happening within our hearts. A transformation that we are not yet aware of that is happening. And it might take years for us to see this shift, this transformation within ourselves. But eventually we get to that place where we realize that we're no longer the same. That something has happened within us. We have grown. We have matured in a way that we hadn't expected. We have come to touch the frailty of our heart and yet the strength and resiliency of it as well. And I think what's happening for all of us as human beings, as we connect with our own suffering, it gives us the opportunity to also include the suffering of others. This for me is one of the biggest, one of the biggest benefits of allowing and accepting and acknowledging and being with our own suffering is that we become more inclusive. And I smile at that because maybe God in her in her wisdom ways, and I can't speak for God, <laughs> um, maybe this was the beautiful plan. But the, this transformation to inclusivity, not just of my own pain, but of the stranger's pain, of the one who doesn't look like me, their pain, their suffering, brings me closer to being even more human It opens my heart even wider and I find that compassion has entered in. And when I can learn how to be more compassionate and love into myself and to 
my stories and, to, and the things that frighten me the most, that I can develop a healthy relationship with those things in a way where I no longer feel victimized, but a healthy respect for this being human, I can open myself. It's like the windows and the doors open up to let in that light in the air and, and a refreshment is happening in my soul. And we can be compassionate and whole solidarity with each other. I do think that this is an amazing, an amazing gift that we are given if we choose to be present with our own suffering versus to deny it. I know it's not easy. It's difficult, it's challenging. And I believe it was meant to. Transformation doesn't happen with ease and comfort. It happens when we are outside of those zones. It must. For if we didn't have challenges, we will never change. We would never grow. We would never evolve. We would never know who we could become. And so we are awakening through these times all of us, however big, however small our awakening may be, none of us are immune to the changes that are happening inside of us. I'd like to share um, a little piece of writing by Anthony DeMello, one of my favorite spiritual authors. And this is his book titled, Stop Fixing Yourself, Wake Up All Is Well. He starts off talking about an attitude called acceptance. He says, it's contained in a prayer most of us have come to know called the serenity prayer, which goes, God, grant me the grace to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. There are so many things in our lives that we cannot change. We're powerless. And if we learn to say yes to these things, we will find peace because peace is found in yes. You cannot change the ticking of the clock. You cannot change the death of a loved one. You cannot change the weather. You cannot change so many of your body's limitations and disabilities. And so... Can we befriend change? Can you befriend change? I had an experience the other day on my way teaching to teach my yoga class. And even though I knew this mentally, it hit my body in a, in a much more visceral way that I was helpless to save anyone that I loved. And I broke down in tears driving. Like I felt it in my, in my belly, in my gut. 
that my precious ones that I love so much, I'm helpless to save them. I'm helpless to prevent their own suffering that I know that at some point in their lives they might experience. And yet all I can continue to do is to just love them and hold and in hopes that the love will just be that space that they can feel into and to know that they're not alone. Yeah. And that it's also okay. It's also okay. So awakening through our sufferings. So I invite you to just reflect on any part of our conversation today and, and just take some time with yourself to maybe just reflect, reflect back on, on how you've changed through some of the challenging experiences that you've ex endured in your life. And where you are now, what have you learned? Who have you become? And we give gratitude for these shifts, these changes, these transformations. As I believe we're becoming more and more human the way we were intended to be compassionate, loving towards ourselves and others. So thank you for spending time with me today. Wishing you blessings. May you be safe. May you be held. May you be protected. May you be provided for. May you be healthy. With love from my heart to yours. Thank you.